All right, welcome to the best episode of the Top 4 Podcast ever because the Premier League season is finally over. Lewis and I have been celebrating for a long time since then. So, Lewis, say hello. Hello. Garb, say hello. <laughs> hello. Mr. Ted, say hello. Oi, oi. Oi, oi, boys. All right, so we've got finally the end of the Premier League season. It's been a – the actual end of the restart has been pretty – fascinating so we'll be able to talk about that we're gonna talk about where all the teams have finished out mainly european places the championship so ed will be able to get on this uh soapbox there we'll talk about relegation and the teams coming up and we also talk about some of our predictions and also just some questions that we want to answer about newcomers breakthrough players worst transfers best transfers and all that so anyway let's get started what lewis your favorite part of the last day of the season Every game was played at the same time. What was yours? Favorite moment? Uh, just sending Troy Dean <laughs> down uh, to the championship, probably. All right, I'll co-sign that. So, Lewis and Sisson are already <laughs> signed off. <laughs> Garbs, what was yours? I, I don't know. The, the thing that was weird to me, I mean, we were texting during it. I was watching, flipping back and forth, four or five games, and... I thought, like, the games that were the most meaningful, the quality was shit. <laughs> like, Leicester United, that game was Trash. terrible. Um, dude, Chelsea dude. Wolves, same. Like, we were te- we were texting, I know, Ted, we were trying to find a game worth watching, and there wasn't one. Yeah, Lewis and I were texting, like, well, we're 3-0 up on Watford at this point. <laughs> so... Uh, which didn't end up being that at the final score, but at that point, it was definitely... Great. Mr. Ted, what was your favorite uh, moment of the final day? Uh, selfishly, it was the point where, you know, we were, I think Origi had just scored to go 2-1 up. Oh, by could... the way, squad squad depth, Origi, squad depth. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> yeah, well, he's, let's see if he plays again. Um, it was a hell of a goal, to be fair to the fellow, but um before that we weren't really creating a whole mu- whole lot and Klopp obviously decided you know what, we're gonna put the front three on and it was uh, I think that was the moment where I was just like that's my favorite moment because it was like you know what we're not gonna settle for this like it's, it's, it's done we're one apiece with Newcastle we conceded early on to be fair a great bit of play from from Shelby and obviously you know Newcastle in general looked at that and concentrated on it so good good for them but I think it was the moment where we decided you know what enough's enough and then obviously Mane scores a great goal, make it three-one, and kind of go out comfortably. So for me, that was that was it. Because agreeing agreeing with Garbs, like I thought the final day in terms of like the normal excitement, bar a minute at you know the Olympic Stadium with uh, West Ham and Villa deciding to play football against each other, um, I thought it was it lacked. I think had the fans been about for the final day, we'd have maybe had yep. a bit more panache potentially. Yep. Yeah. I, I have to say, too, I, I ignored it, but uh, David Silva final game for me, so that was bittersweet. I've kind of been watching YouTube videos of him for the past three days, and De Bruyne getting the assist record, tying Thierry Henry, kind of amazing when you look at some of the chances that weren't converted that he created. Um, I think he was unlucky to not break it, but good company to be in. I was going to pull you up on saying De Bruyne getting the assist record and Silva his final days. I mean, yeah, it's actually for you, Garbs, it actually surprised me that you wouldn't watch that game just because I know, I know that there's like, a I lot did, of, 
Yeah, I, I know. Did. I, know you did. I ended up going to it. Yeah, there's a, there a lot of stuff going on, but like I would have been like, you know what? In this case, who cares at this point? So, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, that's where I got to. I was like, you know what? These other games, they're playing for more, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to turn them on. And after 20 minutes, I was like, what am I doing here? I don't, I, I enjoy watching my team more. And that's, that's what I went to. And I threw the United Leicester on the T and on the TV in the background. Yeah. And the De Bruyne goal, honestly, could be goal of the season if like there's any sort of voting normalcy about how people vote for anything awards in the Premier League. So that was that was pretty amazing. What are you getting out there? Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But <laughs> um, I did I did want to say um, I just want to give congratulations to Liverpool. So congrats, Ted. You guys yeah, had one of the best. You had one of the best best seasons probably ever. So the way it finished out was Liverpool as champions, City in second, uh, United in third. God, you know we'll talk about them later. Chelsea in fourth. So that's that's the top four. Leicester. I mean, this pod called it. People were saying they were safe as Champions League contenders, and definitely didn't work out that way. Tottenham and I think we all called that like pre restart, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We said we said like I, I think I mentioned that, and I heard a podcast say like. Leicester are pretty much guaranteed Champions League football, and we were all like, mm, I don't know about that. So, Brendan, great character there. You're in the envelope. Uh, Tottenham, <laughs> Europa, Wolves need Chelsea to win in the FA Cup. Arsenal need to win the FA Cup to be in the Europa. So, that's probably the top seven. Um, interested. I just wanted – I did, I did want to, like, as much as we give Ted shit here, I did want to say, like, that was pretty fucking impressive what Liverpool did. Um, I know you guys weren't invincible, but you know it's okay. We'll get over that. Um, but hmm. literally, probably the most enter- entertaining team to watch, I would say, outside of City, you two, those two top teams were the most entertaining teams to watch in the in the league this year, and you guys thoroughly deserved it. So, congrats, big dog. I appreciate it. No, I would agree. I think in terms of, I think as enjoyable is is a is a spectrum. You know, I think people that enjoy, um. You know, obviously, City play very. I think with Pep, it's a very Spanish style. So at times it's methodical and it kind of the tempo lifts as you get towards the attacking third. Whereas, you know, Klopp's kind of heavy metal football is probably more um, popular. By the way, what brain? What branding? The, the what branding from that guy? Oh, Perfect branding. Like the ca- <laughs> I actually, uh, I'm I'm reading kind of a an ebook that somebody's put out regarding his playing style as it develops from Dortmund to. So Liverpool is interesting, but anyway, um, you know the the casual fan probably looking at looking at Liverpool is um, an easier watch, you know, because it is that the risk reward. And I think going back to the invincible side of things, there's games that I think had we played more of a balanced or a conservative style at times, I think it was a object. You know, it was that objective was probably obtainable. But um, as I've said, I believe in the group text the entire time, I thought it was very un- unlikely that we would keep that going because of these things. Um, but no, it was, it was a, I like the fact we went out with a bit of, a bit of want to. It would have been easier just to take whatever happened at St. James's Park on the chin, but I like the fact that he said, you know what, front three is going to go and change the game for us and that game could have been 6-1 just with opportunities that they created in the last 15. So yeah, I think it was a, Great year. It's going to be very intriguing now with a short 
very short turnaround, how teams affect it, how many preseason games they're going to play, are they going to play any? It's going to be very interesting, but I'm sure you're going to hit on that as our fearless leader. Yep, we'll get into that for sure later, but I'm really interested to see how the uh, so-called preseason goes. But, yeah, congrats to Liverpool. Um, City, you guys, you scored scored the most goals, had the best goal differential, but, you know, lost also almost as many games as Arsenal. So, yeah, it was a weird... It was a weird year for us. Sorry, didn't, I didn't, didn't, see... mean to, didn't mean to hammer that home like that, but. What was our points differential? You were like, I don't know. Like 20 plus, yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, it was a weird season. I saw a good stat yesterday that we kept 16 clean sheets this year. Laporte played 15 games, and he was on for 11 of those clean sheets. So, I think – Towards the end of the year, we saw how much of a difference he makes for us. And also, it's kind of like what Ted was saying, the style of game. I, I think the same way for us, too, where there's games that we could have sat off a little bit and one that we didn't. Um, and Pep's hard-headed that way. We go one of two things. We create a ton of chances. We own the ball every game we play. Um, and we just got unlucky sometimes this year, but that's – that's the difference between being a champion and not. And, and Liverpool this year won a lot of games at the death. Um, and I, if you remember City's 100-point year, that's how it was. Sterling saved us like five or six times at the death. So it's just kind of little things here and there that go. And, and Liverpool did all those things this year and, and City didn't. So all the congrats to them. It's I, I, don't, I don't believe in luck in sports. I think that's created. And um, they, they, took, they took the chances when they needed to this year and we didn't. So... All the all the congrats to them, and let's not forget that you guys still have the Champions League to play for. So that's awesome. So we'll probably on, do on, cha- on CBS on CBS Sports All Access. <laughs> yeah, Sports. on um, you'll be able to watch it on your phone only. It won't be supported by computer <laughs> or laptop or on yeah. on a tape on a tape delay. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know, I, with I the think... Arabic commentary. I think the, I think, hey, I think it, still, inter- it still is it still is available on Telemundo, so I'm pretty much sure that's how everyone else will be watching it. See, um, I do I do think the interesting thing about City is that Pep is a manager and he's a coach and he's learning from it. So I think he he probably wouldn't admit it, but I think if you ask him if he could rewind and put more faith in in the young lad at centre back, I think he would have done. Yep, I um, I agree with that totally because Laporte's not a fantastic defender. The reason you you have more clean sheets with Laporte is Laporte's ball retention is higher, so yep. you have the you have the ball longer, so therefore the other team has the ball less and the chances are less, and I think that's something that I think you'll see more of is him. I don't I know there's rumours of all sorts of centre back signings. I, I I don't think you need one. Trust the young lad. He's a, he's what Pep wants. You look at Barcelona; they had you know ball playing centre backs. You know they played. Yep. different people there. I think he's Mascherano. Uh, he moved to yeah. center back, kind of like he did with Fernandinho this year, because he can play there. So I mean, I, I think that's what you'll see, and I think you know all coaches, regardless how high the esteem is of them, learn as they go. And I think you'll, uh, yep. Sadly, I think City will reap the benefits of that. Yeah, that's gonna be another question later on. But um, anyway, I'm excited. We'll, we're gonna definitely do a pod about just specifically the Champions League because I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be like a mini tourney. Um, this summer, which between the, the 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 six weeks between the season ending and the season beginning in September twelfth, 
So we'll get there. Outside of that, in the Champions League, other two Champions League places were taken by Manchester United and uh, Chelsea. So let's talk about Chelsea, uh, Manchester United because everyone has an opinion about Bruno Fernandez right now, and <laughs> I'm going to let Lewis go off first because yes. man, man has been talking strong about the man, and I just I think everyone else is going to pile in here, but let's go for it. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to go with I, – I think he's a good player. I do. Um, do I think he might be one of the worst divers I've ever seen in my life? Yes. Um, I I don't know that he he's proven that he's the player that people think he is yet. Um, but his goal-scoring record looks great because when you get 14 penalties in a season, you know, it's quite quite nice. Um, Wait, hold on. Manchester United got 25 penalties this season. Did they? 14 in the league. Oh, yeah, 20, 14 yeah. in oh, the league. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Okay. Sorry. They help him in the other competitions, too. <laughs> I was about to lose, lose my shit at that point. Like, 25 <laughs> in the Premier League. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, 14 is bad. Uh, so that that's my thought. I mean, I, I, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's good. I think he helped them. But I think he dives a lot. I think the refs give him a lot of decisions that a lot of players don't get. And I think his stats that people keep on posting if you took the penalties out, would look a lot different. So let me pose a question to you real quick, Lewis. Are you worried about Manchester United next season after a transfer window? Yeah, because they're going to spend a gajillion dollars like they always do. Okay. So we're thinking Sancho for yep. sure. But their, their defense yeah. is still shit. I think they'll probably spend $200 million, probably. Okay. Easy. Gars, what do you think? Yeah, on the Bruno thing, that's the thing. Is like, it's so typical of United fans, but like, he's a good player. Enjoy having a good player in your midfield. Like, the. Crowning, but he's better than De Bruyne, though. Better than De Bruyne, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and also going back to the diving thing, like, I was I've been watching highlights of David Silva, who's five foot seven on a good day. And he's a twig. And I've watched that guy for 10 years in the Premier League not go down easy. And it made him an incredible player. You look at De Bruyne or you look at any of the central midfielders in history in the Premier League that were dominant. What were they? They were, they were guys that stayed on their feet. There were guys that did that to make plays. And he's not that. So I, putting him in that echelon of players, like no chance for me. Not saying he can't get there or he won't. I mean, I don't think so. But He's a good player. He doesn't have to be the greatest thing ever. It's every player that United gets is the greatest ever. I saw people arguing today that Fernandez should have been in the the eleven for the year, and it's like, are you? They and they also they put Blockhead in that eleven, which is laughable at best. I think they're trying to justify the eighty million they paid for him. Um, no, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'm not scared of United for as long as Ole's the manager. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's where I'm at. It's like, unless they, I mean, like, like Lewis said, they're gonna they're gonna spend two hundred and two hundred fifty million this summer. Is what it is. But well, can I go ahead? Yeah, just add to my comment. Um, I'm afraid of United as an Arsenal fan, given our disastrous squad. 
if I was a Liverpool or a Man City fan, I wouldn't be afraid either. Yeah, I mean that's totally fair. I mean Arsenal's a whole different animal that we're we're we we hit we went from tenth to eighth and we are where we are because of where we are, and that's a whole different. We could do two podcasts on why we are where we are, but yeah, I, I from an Arsenal perspective, definitely worried because I can like I did not want them to get Champions League. Let's put it that way. I wanted them to. I wanted to be Chelsea and Leicester, and it is what it is. Because Chelsea's already spent the billions of, or not the millions of dollars on their league. But from the perspective of like, if I looked at their squad right now, that's not something I would actually have been worried about. So like, if you if you ask me who I would rather face, Chelsea or or Man United in, in the FA Cup final, flip a coin. Chelsea's probably defense is terrible. Worried about more or uh, United's front three but other than that not not really that much of a difference but yeah them making the Champions League definitely makes it interesting but as a coach I'm not really sold on Ole not really sold on Fernandez because he's played shit opposition at this point so kind of interesting to see like the come down next next uh next year Ted you got anything to add to that Fernandez is good yeah. I mean, he's good, but he's there's, not. He's not. There's no. He's not a, there's no he's not question a about that. I mean, I, I've I've said it. I think it's. I haven't been a big, you know, believer in judging people off of the last eight to nine matches that have occurred in since the lockdown. Um, and you have agreed and disagreed depending on the player, but just one his, player. It's situation- only one. Yeah, a hundred percent. And in his situation, I think he's Fernandez is obviously something different that they haven't had for a long time. Um, he is a he is very quick to go to floor, to be honest. Um, and you know, I think we've proven with so many fashions that the VAR system doesn't work, and it does favor Man United. But regardless, um, he's going to change them. But I'm I'm not sure from a longevity standpoint that him and Pogba works because I'm not sure who they have to make up the other the other player like Pereira for example was having a, a dig at like Van Dyke and Milner for saying they were arrogant and I'm like well it's not they're arrogant mate you're just crap like let's just call it what it is you're shite and you've been displaced in every single 11 you guys have put forth by Pretty much everybody. Um, so for Fernandez, it in, I think the proof will be in how he does with very little comeback, you know, very little rest, a full season, and not being an uh, an unknown quantity. To be honest, and I think he benefited a lot from from that in, in post lockdown kind of football. And then they have and being a diving and being a diving bastard as well. That's also they have issues. I mean, if De Gea, what's he on like three fifty a week? He's good though, isn't he? He's class. I think finally people started to turn on him like in the last week, but it took two and a half years. Um, but what are you going to do with that? How can you have a keeper that's one of your highest paid players that's shit? Uh. Arsenal fans would like to raise their hands and talk about that. Have you met a man named Mesut? (laughs) 
you basically what you just, do is you just sit on your ass and yeah, you collect just, your three hundred fifty grand a week. But the difference with the keeper basically. is like you have to you they have to play him. That's the difference. Also, you can sit on the back. No, they don't. No, they don't. Because no, Dean, Dean Henderson's back. Is he? Because I Chelsea. Well, we can talk about that later. I saw Chelsea trying to buy him from United. They yeah. had to buy him from United, though. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So United aren't going to sell him to Chelsea unless but they come is, in with some stupid ass deal or whatever. But so United, United, yeah, that's true. I mean, United basically yeah. are in a situation where, like, well, we've got our 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 heir apparent right now at this point. So, I mean, if Chelsea want to buy a keeper. We've got two of them they can take from us, but yeah, you're not gonna sell direct direct rival. But I mean, you you basically at that situation you have to eat whatever loss. I mean, I could see I could see De Gea going back to like Sevilla or whatever it is, whoever wants him. But he's he's pretty much him and Kepa are pretty much done at this point in terms of keeping. I think so. Kepa's done before he ever started. Did you see that? So there was a I don't know if any of y'all saw this, but there was a. Somebody did a report on like what the average keeper would have saved, according to like every keeper in the Premier League. And Kepa was ninety nine percent, essentially. Like so, an average keeper would have saved ninety percent of the shots that Kepa didn't save. So, bottom of the list, Hugo Lloris was a uh, number one actually, where an average keeper wouldn't have saved, would have only saved like he makes some absurd ones. He's a, he's a good shot stopper, but he makes yep. some really bad. Like decision making, so I, I don't think the actual whole like I don't think that was taken into effect. But Kepa just is like really really bad. So I mean he he we'll, we'll talk about worst transfers, but I guess this year, but he might be the worst transfer in the Premier League history at this point. So for the for the amount of money that was paid for him, we can anyway. all thank Liverpool for making that keeper market so yeah. damn expensive. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. Some Let's of the numbers being thrown around for those guys right now is crazy. Like yeah. 50 million about... plus for a bunch of keepers. Let's talk about Leicester real quick because Chelsea, we kind of know where they're at. But um, let's talk about Leicester. What what a collapse. What happened to those clowns? Ted? Leicester? Um, honest, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean... I think the system that worked for them kind of in the when the season was going properly was having a lot of space in behind and Vardy exploiting it and lots of transition moments. And the restart games had a slower tempo to them, I think, at times, um, which obviously give people a bit more time to get back behind the ball and kind of slow the game down a little bit. I'm not sure if that hurt them more so. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I watched every Leicester game intently. But um, the ones I saw just looked very blah, I think is the best way to to put it. I think James Madison getting injured as well didn't help him because when you do get those games that get compact and, you know, two banks of four against a 4-5-1 or whatever you want to call it, you need that player who's creative. And, you know, for Leicester, I think, you know, James Madison is Leicester's De Bruyne. No, not the same level, obviously, but he's, he serves that function. And missing him, I think they lacked a little bit of a trick there. But I just think they looked a little bit of a shell in terms of the, the want to. Would you say that they lacked character? Character? 
Uh, potentially. Potentially, they did, yeah. I don't know, man. It was a weird one. I felt I never thought they were a shoe in Just yeah. with the gap, I don't think anybody was a shoe in I, I was confident Liverpool could hang on with what we had. I'll admit that. <laughs> good, but good, I think, good on you, brother. And I think City were, were guaranteed, you know, unless we had a massive collapse, at least they were guaranteed second. But everything else I felt was up for grabs. Now, I was wrong with Sheffield United, and I think their small squad came back to kind of hurt them a little bit. I think the Villa result, I'll probably get into that later as well, probably hurt them also. Um, but Leicester were a weird one. You know, I didn't think they'd collapse based upon the way they won the league was based on that team spirit and some of those guys who were leading it, like, you know, Wes Morgan and those fellas, I think Fuchs is still there as well. So you've got Schmeichel, obviously. Guys that were part of that were still there. I was surprised by, like, the how they collapsed so firmly, I guess, is, was what surprised me. I think they're going to actually get picked apart this summer. You have Chilwell. Indeed, he's gone. Indeed, he's gone. Chilwell's gone. Vardy will probably stay because he's pretty much he's, – he's got a great contract. But there's a couple of dudes there that are probably going get, to get get poached. So, Yun Chu is – I mean, I could easily see, like, one of the top European clubs coming in for him at this point. That's just my, my opinion, you know, not backed by anything. But they're, they were on a downward trend after probably the whole boxing, like the Christmas period where, like, the games. So, after after about – starting in February, they probably they started in a pretty bad downward trend and they, they, were, they didn't really pick up from there. So, I think that's – like, I mean, I think that's got to be on Brendan in the, in the first place because he's not – I mean, he basically got – three months of rest and was able to like they had one of the worst records after restart in full so and to I think for them to not make the Champions League from their position is a pretty big failure so I don't know they're they're and I don't think they were going to like be able to replicate that at a high level for multiple years but it's just interesting to me that they collapse that way like you said there's no character there but it is what it is. But, they just had a hard yeah, time I mean, finding goals from anyone outside of Vardy, too. Yeah. I mean, like, Ian Acho has done nothing for them. They couldn't score um, to save his life. Yeah. And they, they struggle. They struggle. They struggle to find a partner, I think. Because, like, Iosi Perez, I thought, was a really shrewd signing. I think they paid, what, 15 ish for him, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and he was a goal machine at Newcastle. But. I felt like he and Vardy did similar roles. Like Perez was like the pullback guy, or he was getting the getting behind guy, and then trying to make them work together was, yeah, I thought a bit of a challenge. Well, look at when they won the Premier League; they had Okazaki in there, so like, and they had Mares putting balls yeah, in, and Mares, but like completely different players than uh, Ios Perez. So I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, We'll skip the rest of the European contenders and no one cares about them. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the relegation battle. So I would say for the last day, that was exciting for a little bit when West Ham decided to equalize, but couldn't actually pull it off because we were all hoping for Bournemouth to actually pull it off and have Watford and Aston Villa relegated. But Norwich is gone way before then. Bournemouth down, Watford down. Any surprise there? Or did everyone pretty much kind of expect that from going in the last day. Lewis, what do you think? 
yeah, I, I think going into the last day, that's, that's what I expected to happen. Yeah. Previously, I thought Villa would wouldn't survive, but uh, yeah, yeah, going into the last day, of the games were kind of in their favor. Yeah. Ted, same thing. I think West Ham are the luckiest. Sorry, not West Ham. Uh, Villa are the luckiest club in the in the world. Like mm-hmm. to be to be frank, I think they're poor and they spend a lot of money. The only I like Dean, like the manager. I think he's a good fella. I think he obviously had a bit of tragedy during COVID, but I think he's. He did a good job pull them out of where they were, but they spent a hell of a lot of money. And the Bournemouth result is an uh, sorry, the Sheffield United result is an absolute travesty. You know, and I, I actually said in another group text over some guys, I was like, surely Bournemouth are going to kind of get after Hawkeye for the money they've lost. It's a hell of a lot of money. Oh yeah, that they've lost. Sure. And who's to say they ever come back? A club yep. like Bournemouth, right? Yep. So like they've they've cost the club a lot of money. Like Hawkeye inability to do the one job they have based upon whatever not to mention the VAR thing but you look at the video of the VAR I think it's the Paul I forget his name Paul Tierney I think is the VAR official you see him he's looking left and right because they're like they haven't gone over that because the goals are supposed to be automatic based upon the watch right so he's doing the old left right like what's going on Um, they've cost I mean not to get too you know superfluous or hyperbolic or whatever but they've they've cost like the, the town of Bournemouth a lot of money, yeah. Well, I mean, as a as a whole, as because a v- those, yeah, as a VAR, like, I mean, not to like, yeah, I know you're trying to like be easy on VAR, but like, VAR should be able to stop the game. And be like, no, we have video evidence that says that's over the line because, like you said, Bournemouth the club, Bournemouth the town is going to lose a ton of revenue from Premier League clubs coming to town and all that yeah. shit. So, so like, you're in a, in in not to mention the amount of money you're going to make being a premier club from TV money, TV revenue, and also just where you finish in the club. So, like, I know we were going over it in the, on the last day of the season, but, like, they would have that, – that point basically puts Bournemouth in – in in uh, it rescues them. So, Villa's down. So, it's it's just – it's it's incredible to me that we have technology that – I mean, Hawkeye obviously failed that day, and they, they already made it. Like, yeah, it, it was – wasn't working or whatever was the first half, but – Second, like you have video evidence that shows the ball goes over, so like VR should absolutely. And again, this, this goes back to our whole VR discussion over the last couple of pods. But like, what are you doing? Like, why are you not looking at that and being like, hey, go to a monitor, look at that. Okay, it's clearly seven inches over the line. It's a goal, like, it is what it is. It's done. So, now uh, they as of 2018. The estimate estimated relegation cost to a club was fifty million pounds in 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 twenty eighteen. Now they get pa- go ahead. Sorry, they get parachute pay. They get parachute payments, right. which are limited to I think it's a three maybe four year window. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're still forgetting the fact that you know Premier League clubs get between ninety and one hundred and fifteen million revenue share, you know, um, each year. So I mean, you're looking at all that money they miss out on. Hawkeye you, obviously have some big deals, but can they survive that? Did you see what like, did you see what just came out today? So apparently Bournemouth owe eighty one million dollars, well, eighty one million pounds of transfer fees because they've been paying installments for all this stuff. So now they're Jesus. so they're in real trouble. They, and it, they could be Wigan. Yeah. And Eddie Howe. Yeah. If if I'm Eddie Howe, I mean 
he, I mean, he that guy, that guy runs the the club and he loves. He's probably key to the city, but he's probably thinking, you know, this is a good time to make a break with the club. And you know, the longer you go without a club, the the better you are. So, more like your your mystique grows. So, like he could easily just take a year off and get a good job. You know, who, it, like let's say Bielsa does terrible at Leeds coming up, he could easily take that job. So. I don't know. It's super interesting to me. They got absolutely screwed on that situation, but it sucks. I don't know. Let's talk about real quick the clubs coming up. Leeds, West Brom are automatic promotions. I'm super excited to have Leeds back because one, they have Bielsa as their manager, and two, it's just good to have that like history back in the Premier League. Uh, as much as a lot of people hate them, West Brom could care less. Tell me that one again. Those between those two. Between those two teams, let's let's hear whoever, who's who are you all cheering for, Lewis. Uh, I'd probably go Brentford. Uh, in a perfect world, Brent Brentford and Fulham would be up, and West Brom could be where they belong in in the championship. Um, <laughs> but probably okay. going for Brentford. Okay, Garbs, who you got? Um. Fulham for me. I, I said that a few weeks ago too. Just American history there with McBride and Dempsey, and I've always liked the ground. I've always liked Craven Cottage. So I, Brentford would be a great story, but I I kind of prefer Fulham. Ted, who you got? Hmm. I think for me, I would go with. Uh, I'd like to see Brentford because it's it's a non. A non-traditional team, like I don't think they've ever been in the Premier League. Obviously not, but I think they've been in the first division for a long time, let alone the Premier League. Um, so I think they're intriguing, um, and I think I think they'll do it. To be honest, after the the turnaround today, um, I think Swansea had money on on Brentford. To be fair, <laughs> after seeing <laughs> seeing the goals they conceded, but now nah, Brentford, I think you know, is it Barama? Where his name is? Um, is a is a yeah. is a special player. I think their style of play, future Arsenal yeah, player, no chance. Um, I think their uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think their style of play is is you know exciting. You know, I think Leeds haven't seen him. I saw fortunately I saw him in the flesh in uh, December. Um, they're another one that I don't think they need a lot of improvement to to survive and be mid table. But I don't think it's completely out of their own possibility that they start the year in top seven or eight um, purely on just the different approach that they take to the game. I think the question will be, have they got enough quality in the squad to contend with such a quick turnaround in level? Um, And I think that'll be the question. Okay, so for non-English fans of the pod... Can one of you explain where Brentford is and the other one explain why Leeds being back in the Premier League is such a big deal? I'll take the Brentford one, the easy one. I'll let it go into the uh, history. <laughs> Brentford's uh, west of London, of a western suburb of London near Twickenham. Uh, people are familiar with that from rugby. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a uh, what New Jersey is to New York, I guess, that kind of to it maybe but nicer but, but, ni- so but nicer like, they're, but they're much much nicer yeah. they're replacing <laughs> yeah they're replacing Watford kind of 
one for one in that situation. Yeah. Almost. Uh, uh, Watford's kind of more of a working class area than Brentford is, I feel like. Okay. Would you agree with that? Gotcha. Brentford's, yeah, Brentford's like Richmond, Twickenham, Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that sort of part of town. Oh, yeah. um, okay. So it's the elites. It's the elites out there. Some, All right. I mean, somewhat. London, you, you go, you know, you're half a mile <laughs> either way and you're, you're, you're changing the environment. But mm-hmm. no, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, Brentford would be adding some, a new dynamic. They've got a new facility, new stadium, which I think is uh, the timing would be impeccable if they could uh, obviously get past one of either, was it Fulham or Cardiff? Um, it'll be interesting too, because, I mean, if it is Fulham in the final that's kind of a West London kind of derby as well so derby, that'll yeah. be interesting Leeds because Fulham, Fulham is Fulham is widely considered the best away day out yeah point, having so. been go ahead, go ha- ahead, having, having been to Craven Cottage as well Fulham's a fantastic place to watch football old school small yeah. I think it's a 1920s maybe earlier than that ground and Fulham's a lovely part of London as well so uh, be interesting but Leeds um, historically one of like the big you know, in the seventies, definitely one of the big four. You know, obviously nineties, and you know, one of the founding members of the kind of Premier League as well. So I mean, they've you know, Eric Cantona's played there. You talk about players all day long. Um, chronically mismanaged. Um, it's another one of those. You know, people talk about one one club cities. You know, it's, it's a one club city, um, and they're hugely passionate about it. Now the problem is Elland Road. The ground is. Not, it's not the Emirates. Put it that way. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not the Etihad. Um, it's more the Etihad, shall we say? Um, again, having been there recently, uh, the football there is fantastic. I'd say the facility is is not quite as. Uh, I wouldn't be quite so reverent about the facility. Put it that way. But um, you know, they're historically just a, a club that is passionate fan base I think Bielsa fits that fan base in a similar way to Klopp fits the Liverpool fan base very similar relationship um, you know I mean Bielsa is obviously supremely famous for living in you know a terrace house and driving a Volkswagen Polo so you know he's he's a football man he's given 2.6 million I think it was to Newell's Old Boys I think it was his, uh, his club in Argentina so I mean he's a it's a people's club it's a working class city working class club and I think it's going to be pretty incredible to see some rivalries revamped like Leeds United and uh, Man United that's classic um, mm-hmm. you know one of the famous uh, famous kind of chants is always you know we hate Leeds after anything you say so I think it's, there's a lot of hatred built up towards Leeds from other clubs but for me I think it's uh it's cool to see him back, and I'm I'm excited to see Bielsa in the Premier League and see if it works a similar way to that what Klopp has done. Yeah, I think listeners, I think Ted hit a lot of the the high points there. So Bielsa, just Google him; he's a wild man, but he's one of the most cited managers from other managers that that follow his kind of like game plan or not game plan, but like so if you if you're an American sports fan like if you talk about coaching trees in football Bielsa has a lot of not coaching trees but like a lot of people kind of like go back to him and then if you talk about Leeds United this was a Champions League club back in the early 2000s late 90s that was like very consistently competing with the Uniteds and the Arsenals and the Liverpools 
at that time. So, like, there was huge rivalries, especially with Man United. So, that fan base being back in the Premier League is pretty – coupled with Bielsa is, is pretty awesome. So, totally excited to have them back. We're going to take a break here um, for a couple minutes, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll talk about some questions. All right, welcome to the second half of the Top 4 Pod. We've got our questions. We've got a bunch of questions to answer. We've got the FA Cup coming up. We've got um, topics about who the best breakthrough players were, the newcomers of the award, award of the year, worst transfers, best transfers. We're going to go through all of that. Let's start real quick with the FA Cup final, Arsenal versus Chelsea. Lewis, how are you feeling? Not great. Um, <laughs> Elaborate. We've got um... – <laughs> Olivier Giroud probably playing up front against us, and we have um, how can I put this? Uh, probably the softest combination of central defenders I could ever wish to have. Um, and that combination is trio at this point. There's three of them. Yeah, three can three can <laughs> be a combination though. Um, That's true. So I I think he's going to bully him. I think. David Luiz, his version of being physical is giving away penalties, which is going to happen. I've almost bet money on it. Um, so I, part of me is very concerned. And part of me says, Artessa's very intelligent and he's going to know this and he's going to say, Chelsea, you can have the ball. We're going to sit in this low block that we did against Liverpool and City and play very Spursy and then trust that Orba will get a goal or two. So there's hope there, but I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly game. I 100% agree with that. I think it's going to be a game of both teams being like, hey, you guys have the ball. No, you have the ball. <laughs> no, you have the ball. No, you have the ball. Because I think City or I think Chelsea are going to sit up, set up like they played against City, which was basically like, yeah, you have the ball, and we'll just Pulisic and William and Giroud on the, on the counterattack. And then Arsenal will be trying to do the same exact thing. So they'll be sitting back and hoping that Abba and Pepe and Laka can do the same thing on the um, on the counter. So I have a feeling it's going to be a very ugly game. I think it could be won by a set piece, which we're not very good at defending. <laughs> and yeah, very. I very. I, I'm really worried because if you had to basically create a striker at this point that would trouble the Arsenal defense who aren't great at heading because Mustafi, our best header, which is crazy to say is out because his hamstring ripped off his bone. So we have David Luiz and I'm assuming holding is going to play. And I would assume hopefully Tierney plays at center back or left center back at three, but yeah, Drew's going to beat up on those guys. And then also Drew's very good at holding the ball up and flicking tricks and passes into the guys who run around him like, Pulisic, Willian, and who's the clown that we all hate on their team? Mason Mount. Mason Mount, yeah. Same thing, yeah. So, it's just not a good combination. I'm thinking we still win, but I'm thinking it's going to be very ugly. So, I don't know. I'm going to keep the optimism and say we win that game, but anyway. Go ahead, Garbs, Ted, what do you think? I'll jump in. Um, yeah. I actually think Giroud has been really good for Chelsea the past Oh, he's, very, he's very streaky. He's very streaky. Eight games, he about about eight games will hit goals. So he's, he's six, six, six goals and six starts. So he's good to go. He's given them something in hold-up play that I don't think. I mean, Abraham's not bad, but I think it's it's been a really good restart for Giroud. Um, I honestly think that Chelsea's 
best plan is to give you guys the ball deep in your own third and press you. Um, 100%. But I, I don't – I'm not – Overly excited for the game. I'm going to watch it because it's on. <laughs> but that's about it. Um, I expect you guys have been a little better defending lately, um, playing the Mourinho low block. So I expect. <laughs> Honestly, though, if, if I feel like Chelsea's at their best attacking with speed. So I think you guys might slow that down a little bit and try to hit them on the counter. Their defense is horrible. I don't know. I could see I could see it being like a nil-nil game or like a 5-4 game. Lewis and I talked offline and we basically are just praying that the David Luiz that shows up is the one in like 15 David Luiz that's actually amazing and not the actual clown show that usually shows up. So Ted, what do you got? I think there's a strong chance that you know whatever whatever team kicks off, the ball just stays in the center circle. <laughs> and you both just sit there and say you can have it you can have it you can have it um i i gotta be honest i i don't care i think it's gonna be (laughs) yeah because you're because you're a fucking champion so it must be nice to be able to say i just i just i just don't (laughs) it's anything like that europa final oh fuck fuck me that's (laughs) that's what that's what goes to my head that was one of the worst games i've ever seen and I, i was a liverpool fan under roy hodgson i've seen some bad games like, but that 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 was that was torrid, <laughs> and I think this weekend. Hey, Unai Emery was the coach for us back then, so let's be serious. Yeah, okay. Um, I think I think we've got. <laughs> I'd like to see Chelsea lose because I think Frank Lampard's been a shit house. Um, I'd like to see them lose. Um, I really would because you know the stats of him, what going third to fourth, whatever it was, I think are interesting. Um, I. I don't. I think I'd like them to lose, but at the same time, I mean, I think it's going to be. I think it will be a bit of brilliance from somebody, and my, I would put when it comes to brilliance, I'd put my money on Obama Yang over Giroud. That's that's where I'll go with it. I was going to say, the man, the legend. That's where what I'll if, go. What if that. the brilliance is? What if the brilliance is Pulisic, like what he did to your boys <laughs> at Liverpool? Well, I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, Big Frank can actually play him or sit him on the bench and play someone else. I mean. There's all sorts of questions. I mean, I think there's no argument Pulisic should be in the starting eleven for them at the minute, especially after the back of you know five or six performances. Now, can he replicate it? Is a big question. But in current form, there's no question he should be in the eleven. Last game. So Pulisic behind the against, curtain, uh, Frank Pulisic said it was against, an injury. Frank said it was an Pulisic, injury thing. He was very poor. <laughs> <laughs> he was very poor. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, if he's injured, then maybe he doesn't play. You know, because who knows? If the injury was that that big of an impact, we're only looking about what a six-day turnaround. So that'll be interesting to see. You know what it was, but he was electric against us for sure. You know, I think it was a, a t- an interesting game to come into, and he came into it with the right attitude. He changed it, and fair play to him. Um, I do think if they put him on the correct side, and he's in the form he was against us, Arsenal are bollocksed. <laughs> I think there's. Yeah, we- there's there's not a, some and there's not somebody in your back five. I mean, Tierney's your best defender at the minute. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, all we all we know this. Lewis and I know this. We're we're just sitting here just like agreeing with you. The, okay. the 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 problem is is he's obviously massively left footed. So I mean, if if Pulisic sets up on the left hand side against your right back, I mean, 
it's not a good situation. I think he plays Maitland Niles there, to be honest. Not, yeah. And I think the sad thing is, as someone who's not a right back, he's probably our best right back defensively. That that is that's something. Um, are we going to do FA Cup prediction, or are we going to do that? Yeah, if you, if you want sure. to, go for yeah. it. Let's do it. I, I want to give the Arsenal fans a floor, though. I think that's only fair. We don't have, opening, I don't have a, a horse in the race, so. Are you putting the scores or teams, or what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, I want you to do. I don't give a shit about the teams because I mean it's irrelevant. Because <laughs> I mean you've only got eleven players, so that doesn't matter. And then Chelsea could, you know, Frank could just drop the goalkeeper and play Willie, and we who knows. I don't think teams is relevant. I think scores... Well, hold on, hold on. It is relevant if Kepa's playing because it's hugely relevant if Kepa's playing. I don't think he's going to play. Kepa, no, he's Kepa's not going to play. Caballero's <laughs> playing, for sure. <laughs> um, I think score and I'll give you scorer. Give me one scorer and score. All right, are you going to write this down, Ted? I have a sheet um, right here. I can write it down. Okay. I can write it down. Perfect. Sure, yeah. All right, go for it, Ted. Me, I'm going to go with, and you're going to enjoy this one. I'm going to go with 2-1 to the Arsenal. And my score is, I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to go with Kovacic for Chelsea. I think he's going to score. Um, a, and I'm going to, yeah, it is. Because I think he's, I think you're going to sit so deep that, Jury will get nullified and it will be fine. Um, and I'm going to go with Oba, Oba. I'm going to say Obiang, Yang on a on a counter attack, and then we're going to go with we'll go with Pepe. You need to play Pepe. I think he'll score, um, and it'll be hopefully a watershed moment. He's talented. He just doesn't have any end product for me at the minute. This will be right. his watershed moment. I like it. Not bad. Garbs, what do you got? I'm going to go – I'm actually doing this for you guys. So I want you to <laughs> – because every time I pick against you, you win. So this is – that's what I'm doing. I'm doing it for you Please guys. Do. I'm going to go 3-2 Chelsea. And I'm going to say Chelsea get one from Giroud and a goal and assist from the Wonder Child. Um, Mason Mount. Yeah, no, no. Um, no. So, so Giroud, Pulisic, and who's the other scorer? We'll go Willian. Free kick. Oh, that's a that's a great that's a, that's shout, a, by the way. That's a really good. That's a really good threesome. I like it. And what are the uh, what are the two goal scorers from Arsenal? Arsenal will go. Kepa. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> own goal and Rudiger. Zuma banging one in off of Kepa. Um, no, uh, I'll go Alba. I'll go Alba Brace. I was gonna say Alba times two is usually a good, a good shout. All right, Lewis, what do you got? I'm gonna go Chelsea two one. Um, and hope that I'm wrong. I'm gonna go Giroud. Uh, absolutely dominating David Luiz, uh, and then Rudiger from a corner. Um, and because we'll have someone like Bakayo Saka mark him on that corner because that's what that's what we do. And right. then scoring for us, I will go. I'll go Lacazette. Mikel Arteta. Lacazette. Lacazette. Yeah. Okay, I had Arba penciled in, but I'll give you Lacazette. 
All right, I'm going to go 3-1 Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all laugh, but last time I, I did this shit, we actually won. Uh, 3-1 Arsenal. Go, seven, go, say, go 7-1 then? 7-1 Arsenal? I'll say Giroud scores for Chelsea, and then I'll say Abba times two, and Ceballos hmm. times one. I like, I like that show. I like yeah, Ceballos. Right. Top, top, I like top him player. too. Out of your I team hope. outside of Abba, I like Tierney and Ceballos. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't actually – Ceballos probably won't be here next year anyway, so hopefully he just signs up with an FA Cup winner or whatever it is. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Back to the back to the good stuff. Let's talk about what we thought about the actual Premier League season. That was about 7,000 years. Um, who was y'all's newcomer of the year? Garbs, I'll start with you. Okay. Newcomer of the year, by surprise to no one, is the man wearing the 22 shirt for Chelsea. I thought you were going to say Phil Foden for a second. (laughs) The man wearing the 22 for Chelsea. No, but honestly, to be a 20-year-old kid, first year in the Premier League, and have the production he did, I think is impressive. And... I won't say what my second choice was because I'll let you guys get out, get theirs, get yours out. But I, I think, obviously, I'm crazily biased towards him. Um, but at the same time, I think he's shown quality for and for what he's done at 20. If he continues an upward trend, I think he's going to be a real player. All right. So Big Dog Pulisic gets one vote. Uh, Lewis, who do you got? Um, I'm. I don't know if it really qualifies. I think it does. I'm gonna go Henderson for uh, Sheffield United. In, oh, in, did you gonna say for, for Liverpool? I was like, wait, no, what? <laughs> don't get me going down that road. No, Sheffield Sheffield United Henderson played for United before, but I don't know that he's ever made a Premier League appearance until now. So I think it counts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a great right. one. Who do you got, Ted? Stole mine. To be fair, I thought Henderson was. Was it was a big one for me, but um, you know I'm going to go outside of the uh, outside the box. Here. I'm going to go Wilder as the manager from Sheffield United. That's a good one. Yeah. I think as a you know newcomer who everyone I think didn't think Sheffield United belonged. You know with what they were doing and who they brought into the league, and you know got. Billy Sharp, who's been there for God knows how many years and has played in every league in England, you know, from conference up. He set his side up in a, in a system that is so bizarre. Like, you've got overlapping centre-backs in a three-five-two, which is un, unheard of. Um, and I think, once again, if he wasn't English, I think we'd be speaking about him in a different way. And I think being an English manager in, in the Premier League is very hard at times because you're you know, you've got Pep coming in, Klopp coming in, you know, Spiro Santo coming in. I think Sheffield United guy. Klopp obviously got the LMA Manager of the Year. I don't think I would have gone with Wilder, even with the kind of dip that they had post quarantine. I'd have gone. I'd have gone with Wilder. Do you think English? You think honest? Like this is strange. You think honestly, English managers get a hard rap? I think it's a tough. A, a new manager and Wilder although he's not a young guy he's I think it's tough to get the top jobs you know or or to be 
Like Brendan Rodgers is, is you know obviously Northern Irish, but I mean you look at it and like Pet Klopp Lampard is a player, so it's not really Lampard's, Lampard's a whole different. That's a yeah. different beast. Yeah. I don't count that as him getting an opportunity, and you keep going down. I mean, I think the best example of it is like you look at Watford. Like Nigel Pearson's had some skeletons in the closet, but you know what he did for Watford. You know, to the end of the day, like was it three days, three games, two games for the end when he had him in a safe position? And I believe he would have kept him in a safe position. To be honest with you, um, yeah, but that's like okay, so that's a different thing. I'm just, I'm talking about like if you look at systematically like the actual managers that get placed like say someone gets fired mm-hmm. in, a premier, in a premier league season almost almost all the time the manager that comes in is a is a british manager i would say but i'm not saying like but i will i will grant you the fact that most of those managers because they're like relegation savers right like so they're roy hodgins they're the sam allardyce's they're the you know whatever alan pardews if you want to even go there but those guys are like pretty much there to like basically save you from relegation. But sure. I wouldn't say that like British managers get a bad rap. I think it's it's more that British managers you never hear people talk about them as being uh, tactically inventive or um, that's, that's, fair. that's fair. That's fair. It's always yeah, that's like fair. they're the big Sam, they're the Roy, they're the uh, uh, team spirit model, and you know we're gonna. Pack it in Hash. tight and play a four-four-two yeah. and get draws. And I think that's, that's probably more where Ed was going. Okay, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. Like they're all like, okay, passion, slut and right. thunder. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, or, or if they are a little bit more tactically um, creative, like Graham Potter had to go abroad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had to go to Sweden to get an opportunity, and he's come back, and all of a sudden now he's done a fantastic job at Brighton. Well, that's not the case. He's a good manager. Yeah. You know, Dean, Dean Smith's been in football for 30 something years, you know, and like, you know, I think it's interesting because you look at it and it's like some of the clubs that have chosen different, different routes, it's, it's, it's intriguing. But I don't know. I think for him to be a guy of the people, like he's from Sheffield, like he still goes down his local pub and those sorts of things, like that sort of, that sort of fella doesn't tend to get an opportunity in the Premier League because of, you know, there's also some different things in play, like Wolverhampton, Wolves, for example. I think, you know, He's done a fantastic job there, but he's there also because of their relationship that goes towards Portugal as well, right? So yeah. I mean, is this all these slants now that 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 shift the dynamic a touch? But I just think you know, before we get on, you know, kind of perceived you know xenophobia in terms of coaching, I just think he's done a fantastic job of getting a team that I think everybody preseason thought no chance they stay up to be. No, I think half. I think he I think he's a great. Yeah, I think he's a great shout for sure. I think he, I think honestly, if, if I was going to predict a manager of the year, or if I was writing in a manager of the year, he definitely would have been it. Oh, for me as well. And I'm a Liverpool yeah. fan. I think Klopp, Klopp's done amazing things over a period of time, but my God, Sheffield United, unbelievable. Yeah. And we, we even like, we started out at the restart saying, hoping they would make Champions League or at least Europe kind of shit the bed for the first three games. And then like they came back strong. So like, all credit credit to him to be able to say like to do that like turning the team around. In I don't know it's in Klopo. I know Klopo like he does the whole pint down the the you know the pub whatever too at the same time. But Balder definitely is like he basically has the key to the city down there. And I I think he's like he's got that team in a good spot. And I I think Eddie Howe's a good a good situation too where like you 
that's why I think he, this is a good breaking point for him to basically be able to say like, because he was linked for the Arsenal job for a long, long time. Um, so for him to be able to say like, hey, this is like, I've taken you guys as far as I can. You know, it is what it is. To break to break bread there, that situation and say, all right, I'm going to take a year off like Pep did before he went to Bayern. And just like his, his, his uh, mystique will only grow at that point. So I think Eddie Howe's got a good, situation in front of him and I think English I think there are some really good English managers out there like you said and I'm just I don't think Lampard I think Lampard got obviously the the golden spoon in that point because he is who he is but I mean even John Terry sitting behind was it Dean Smith at Villa but you yeah. know we the less John Terry we need, we need to see the, the better so. have you heard about what's going to happen there no they're apparently what? uh getting rid of Dean Smith at Villa and uh bringing in is it a Spanish or Portuguese? I can't remember which one. Um he's the assistant under um the details are going, but they're basically getting rid of him and I was very, very surprised for him to keep them up, you know, given they spent a lot of money and all that. But um an interesting move if it does happen. Is that right? I I haven't heard that. I'll have to look into that. I'll do I mean, it doesn't surprise Google. me. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me because, like, everyone's looking for the next hot, like, young manager from Portugal, Spain, Germany, whoever it is. So, interesting. I'll tell you one that's a name that's been floating around a bit is I don't know. I watched them today. I, I know this is way off topic, but I was just thinking about it. I watched Sassuolo. Have you guys watched them play? In yeah, Syria? they're great. They're great. Yeah, Roberto De Zerbi, that guy, is a mastermind. Watching his team play is legitimately fun. And I mistakenly – I had read an article about him recently, and that game was on today in the middle of the day. And I was home, and I threw it on. And, whole, like, amazing to watch them play. So that guy, I've seen his name thrown around. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a huge job coming up. If I, if I remember correctly, they've scored the most goals in – Oh, that's not true. But yeah, they're solid though. So right, it's, for um, me, it's, sorry, just to it's yeah, go ahead. Bruno. I don't know how to say his last name. It's Portuguese. Lage, L A G E. People are saying reports out of Portugal. He was the ex Benfica boss. Um. So apparently, it's been rumored for months, even before he kept him up. So we'll see if it happens. Gotcha. So my newcomer is Mason Greenwood, for obviously, for obvious reasons. Kids looks like the real deal, honestly. As much as it pains me to say it, two footed, can shift the ball out of his feet in one touch and hammer it in the net. And seventeen goals or goal involvements in the last twelve games. I think he's gonna be a freaking stud which really kind of upsets me because they have Martial and Rashford as well. But if we're going to talk about newcomers coming out, I think he's he's definitely the one for me. So I can't, I can't rely on Martial. can't rely on him. No, but you could probably rely on Mason Greenwood. So if I was if I was an England fan, I'd be pretty happy about that one right there. So Next one oh, is yeah, your... Uh, class. Yeah. The only problem is you have a shitty coach. Uh, next one is... <laughs> <laughs> next one is your breakthrough player. Um, for the Premier League this season. Uh, let's start with you, Garbs. 
Yeah, I'm actually going, my breakthrough is kind of, uh, one of them was along the lines of your newcomer. I had Dean Henderson on there. Um, and then the other one, just because that was our, he's already been spoken about. Uh, I put on there Declan Rice. I thought amidst the shitstorm that was West Ham for a lot of the year, I thought he's been class. Every time I watch them play, the guy's class. I heard a cool story about him when Chelsea let him go as a kid. Um, and actually, the man of the hour that you are just talking about, John Terry, gave him a call and said, this can either be the worst day of your life or the start of the best. And I thought that was kind of cool that he did that. And Declan Rice now is definitely showing what he's worth. I think that kid's a good player. All right, Ted, what you got? Hmm. I can go two ways with it. I can go with a guy. I'm going to go with one guy who's kind of a resurrection story. I think Danny Ings had a fantastic end, end of the season um, in terms of scoring a lot of goals, being kind of the, the figure point for um, for uh, Southampton to kind of go from a question of relegation to a, a pretty steady place very quickly. And then I think Sam Maximum from uh, Newcastle, I think he... Uh, he showed some real, real quality as a, as the year went on, and uh, you know I think he's trending in a in a, in a pretty nice direction. Should uh, his form continue? Okay, I'm sorry, Luce. Uh I'm gonna go with a duo: uh, Burton Leno and um, and Emmy Martinez, goalkeepers for Arsenal. Um, I think is that because you want to play them both at the same time, or I think I think we need to. I mean, can can we can we play them? At the <laughs> same time? No, um, I think if you look at the stats before Leno got injured, you know, for a guy that didn't cost a lot of money, he was performing significantly better than I don't know, let's say Kepa and De Gea, um, just to name a couple. And then Martinez, you know, when Leno went down, I've got to be honest, I was shit myself because he kept us in so many games and then Martinez to be with the club for 10 years and not really play a lot and to come in and perform the way that he has and probably if he wanted to sell him right now he'd probably go for I don't know 50 plus is pretty crazy so my is that 50, is that 50 grand or 50 million <laughs> if you're going to play 50 million oh, okay. for some of these clowns Fuck, fuck Chelsea that they're not entertaining offers for Kepa under, oh, unless they're over 50K. So, yeah. 50 That's a good starting oh, point for Kepa. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 50 million, sorry. So, breakthrough. And a Volkswagen Jetta. Yeah. <laughs> breakthrough, breakthrough, I've got a few. I've got. My, my two are Adama Traore and. Um, I just fucking blanked on him. Sorry. Well, let's just stick with Adama at this point. So Adama Traore, I think, is the, the main breakthrough for me. Um, just in the fact that he's actually, like, pretty much broken through in terms of, like, everyone knew the talent there, but he's actually performed this season. I know Liverpool are linked to him. There's been a lot of big links for him. Wolves will be lucky to keep him, I think, this offseason. But just in terms of, like, pace, power, ability, he's raw. I think in, under the right coach, he'll be really great. So he's my big guy. I added in Soyuncu too. That was another one I was talking yeah, about and thinking solid. over. Thought he made a name for himself this year. 
Yeah, if anyone else has any, like, kind of 1B players, go for it. Jack Grealish, you could say. Like Grealish, that's who it was. Grealish is my other one. Is He really came He came out. He Talk about those. going down easy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most most sure. fouled player in the Premiership, Harvey quote, Barnes. Quote unquote foul. Yeah, Harvey Barnes is the worst human being of all time. Whoa, Ooh, whoa, strong, strong. This sounds like your Southampton not, take. Why? Not, why? He, why he, so? Because <laughs> he just, he just, he, it, I, I can't even. I don't. I can't. Even, I don't have words for my hatred for Harvey Barnes. So sorry. Wow. That's similar to – I'm, I'm waiting for a Harvey Barnes fan to be our new Joe. We need a Harvey <laughs> yeah. Barnes fan yeah. to come out of the woodwork. Uh, just, we need, we need a, a Harvey Barnes from, fan to jump on it because – from Leicester? Harvey yeah. from Leicester. Why why you hate me, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, what's – I feel like he's quite inoffensive. What What's kicked this off in terms of uh, your hatred for the man, the myth, the Harvey? Just the way he goes down, the way he like he he fouls the fuck out of people. I, 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 this this would be a very explicit podcast if I had to keep going into why. I I that's an impressively passionate opinion about a player I didn't think would emote such feelings from anybody, but we're there, so that's good. But everyone everyone has their one player, or their three players, or their seven players, or fifteen players like I do. <laughs> so it yeah. is what it is. I mean, for me, for me, it's Lamella. I think he's just a wang. Oh, he's oh like yeah, high on that list. All right, so here's and the I, question: Who is for this season? Who is your biggest wanker from the season? That's oof. a good one. Three of us, three of us agree on the, or four of us agree on Lamella. Lamella's been in for I, quite a while, though. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone knows he's a wanker. But everyone also probably knows that if he's on your team, you probably like him. No, I don't actually. I would actually hate him. You don't think like, so? Because I, uh, I thought I thought about the same thing about Guendouzi, and now I just fucking hate Guendouzi. So I thought Guendouzi is a wanker for a while, and I think that's coming true. I think yeah. you know. I think obvious yet also closet wanker because he's very talented as Paul Pogba. Yep. He's a wank. Yep. Let's be frank. He has he has absolutely just sat down for a neck for a long period of time. Hold on. Default... I, I, I'm pulling up my spreadsheet of Ligoon and Paul Pogba and the French. Uh, Counterattack. So go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. How many goals did he have in? How many goals did he have in league on? I mean, the fuck. Jesus. Um, I, I, I think he's uh, he's obviously supremely talented, but I think he plays when he wants to. And if I'm if I'm United, especially off the back of like Fernandez, like him, hate him, dive in, not. He's effective, and like I just think the amount of money he's on, and they're trying to bring in Jaden Sancho on ridiculous money. I would send. Pogba to PSG, let him sit about, walk about, maybe break a sweat once every now and then, and just play in league on. Their problem is though, they don't have anybody to replace him. Yeah, but I'd argue that, like you know, if they can, the reason I they're think... doing so well in the last since the restart is because Pogba and Fernandez have been playing together. Yeah, I'm not, but that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh... I'm, not de- I'm not defending Fernandez by the way. Or I'm sorry, Pogba. No, but if you look at it, their form was pretty decent before the. Before that too, and Pogba wasn't playing. It was mainly mm-hmm. Fernandez that changed it. Don't you, don't you bring that shit in here? Don't you bring <laughs> it's, that? It's, 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 it's a, it's a fair point. United could completely just flip the orientation and say Fernandez have a free role and play McTominay and Matic, 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 Fred as two holders and say, you know what, Fernandez go play football. They're front three of creating good stuff. That's what they're living off of. The rest well, of their yeah. team, the rest of their team is 
average. Pogba is he's good for. There's games where he was absolutely incredible. I forget. I think it was his first game back. You know, people that you know want to jump on YouTube clips of how fantastic one pass can be. Yeah, the left foot, the right footed kind of half volley that he sent. I think it was Rashford in behind. Incredible, without question. However, when you're playing away next year at West Brom or at Leeds, and you know, for Leeds, for example, Calvin Calvin Phillips is getting into him and, and smacking him. He's not going to fancy it because he doesn't care enough. And I think that's the that's the bottom line. Can I present to you a team that has basically plays two defensive midfielders with an awesome front three and a shit defense and finish at eighth in the league? Like that's uh, who, the difference. You is don't, we don't have a Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, who's who's your Bruno Fernandez? No, that's what is I'm he, saying. Like though, but you if you remove you remove Pogba too, the same thing. We don't have a Pogba either. So like you're. You're fucked with that yeah, situation. But, yeah, but you, yeah, but you remove Pogba and you add another linchpin holding midfield player and you let Pogba you be McT- what... McTominay and... You tell me McTominay and Matic are going to be... They'll at least work off the ball and they'll give you 90 minutes every time they play. Matic you, gonna give free, you fucking 60 minutes. You're going to free Fernandez to do what you guys have been relying... When Ozil was good and Ozil was very good, you let him do what he wants to in that role. Fernandez doesn't defend. So, like, you no, could argue that, that they could be better by having two lads that would just sit and say, you know what, you're going to sit there, break up play. If it's on him behind, do it. If it's not, play Bruno, let him play. I hate to say that because I think I hate United with every, every soul of my being. But I do think if he's going to try and do something consistently with them, I don't think Pogba's reliable as a teammate. I really don't. No, I, I think I, he's good, I think he's good he's at a... Juventus. Because he's of a big that, game, because he, he's a big he's a big game player. He's also if if you ask me what Pogba is, and this this is coming from a French football fan, he's a big game there player. Are, there is he, two of you. There is two of you. So who's the other one? I don't know. Call your mate though. Find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Pogba is a very much a player who thrives in a situation where he's not the captain. He's not the leader, right? So he he comes from a Juve team where I mean. Ferguson binned him off pretty early. Like, he saw that. So, he binned him off to Juve. Juve, he had Piero. He, Del Piero, he had Matuidi. He had, like, all these – he had, like, all these great great players around him. And then he goes to – where was – did he go from there to back to United? I, th- I, th- I think so. I mean – I'm sorry. Anyway, but I'm just yeah. telling you, like, he, he is not a captain leadership, but he comes – Back to United for an eighty million dollar fee, and he, everyone thinks he's going to be like the leader of that team, and that's not what he does. Like in the French team, he's not the same way. Same same way he's got with Tweedy, he's got Giroud, he's got all the defenders behind him that are all freaking awesome leader leadership roles. So like that's not that's not what Pogba's role is. Pogba's role is to just sit there and pass the ball around and like fucking play, make YouTube, YouTube clips. passes. Yeah, YouTube passes. Exactly. That's what he's do- he's there to do. He's not going to defend, but he's going to be there to provide like two moments of magic a game possibly. And if you're forwards are Mbappe and Griezmann, they'll probably convert. So that's what he is and that's what he does. And that's how it is. I don't, I don't, I don't just, think that he does that though. I don't think that he gives you two moments of magic a game. Not, not, in, not, in, not at Manchester United. But for there's, sure. there's no. no reason why he shouldn't. No. He's, he he won a World Cup. Ability is not the question. Right. It's mentality. It's like temperament, yeah. and does he fit into it? And I think if you're looking at for me, 
as much as it pains me to say, judging managers, Ferguson has obviously won a hell of a lot. And in terms of leadership, obviously he's adjunct at Harvard. Like he's, he's obviously in terms of building a team, he's incredible. Pogba's talent was there. And Ferguson binned him because he was like, you know what? This kid cares about himself. Now, you could say like he binned him to then potentially bring him back when he grows up, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't happen very often under, ten, under Ferguson's tenure. I think your point's very valid. He's a very good player. He's very French, which obviously supports your, your rhetoric. Um, <laughs> but he is good when he's got players around him who are, of at international level, fantastic players and can let him do what he wants, like Kante, Matuidi, Verratti, whoever they may be who are just doing his work for him, right? I think it suits him down to the ground. But, unfortunately, like, the Premier League doesn't let people do that. Like, you can't just float in and out of seasons. And, like, I think if we look at this, and this is where I make it controversial, when we look at this, we've basically looked at the Premier League restart as Pogba's absolute wheelhouse, which is a six-week tournament. The World Cup, he's fantastic. He's got to focus on giving a shit for six weeks around good players with, honestly, it's a micro-cycle. It's a micro-season. And he did it. Good for you, mate. You did it. Well done. You played, I think, if you look at their schedule, they played majority bottom half of the league. You know, they were they were dominant in a lot of their games. He was, he was decent. Fernandez gave them a lot of freedom. Fine. Can he do it? Can he do it for a year when he has to be a linchpin? And I, I just don't think he cares enough. I really but I'm not argue, I'm not arguing that. I'm literally telling you, no, he can't. He has to be, he has to be surrounded by, Matuidi's, the Contes, the Del Pieros, like whoever it is. He has to be at a team that, like, so if it's PSG and they have the Rodis around him or whoever it is, like that, that's where he is going to thrive. He's not. That, wouldn't you he, say the he, same thing for most players? Like if you surround guys with world class like talent, they're gonna be Ozil. they're gonna look good, right? Like Ozil. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no serious, I'm, I'm talking it about. Like I'm Ozil talking about. Yeah, no, no. I'm talking about the fact that like Pogba isn't like so Pogba gets. I'm not defending Pogba. He's yes, you are. Been. I, in, in a way, I'm. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yes, but I'm saying like he's not a player that like you sit. So like if I'm building a team around a player, and it's Pogba. Then I'm saying like all right, well I need these two defensive midfielders and I need these three forwards and these four back. Like you're doing it, but you're doing it based off of the fact that he's not a captain. Like people, because of, because of his price tag and because of the, his like, his uh, profile, people like think of him as like, he's going to be like this fucking like game changer. He's a game changer in a way that like has to be, the system has to be built around him. Like the same way, like every fucking, like Tom, Tom Brady's not a game changer unless his team is like built around him. Right. He's a, he's a captain, though. Yeah, he's, he's true. Yeah, he's a, he he's a leader. by example. He yeah, does true, everything true. I will give you want I, the yeah, leader I will give do. you that. Pogba is not a leader by example. He's a leader by, yeah. like, he literally is an $80 million player. He's luxury. Yeah. He's, he's Odell Beckham. Beckham. He's, he's, he's Ozo. He's, he's Ozo. He's Ozo. He's Odell yeah. Beckham. He's, he's an $80 million luxury player that can play amazing passes as long as he has the right – and play, like, to the top tier of his ability if he has the right pieces around him. That's what Pogba yeah. is. That is, is it's Ozo's the same way. I'll, I'll 100% grant you that. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a he's a hundred million pound player, correct? And that's what they paid for him. Mm-hmm. 
And you look Pogba. Pogba. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but you hundred million pounds. It's not, million his, pounds. it's not his fault that somebody paid a hundred million pounds. Like, especially, it's not his fault that Ed Woodward paid a hundred million pounds for him. Like, that's, that's Ed not, Woodward's fault. Okay, that's not, that's that's not his fault. That's fair. That's a fee. However, there is a certain element of this is a business. He's being paid. I think it's what three hundred grand a week. There's a reliability aspect that, as fans and paying him, you should be able to rely upon. I think. At that point, and I, I think we've all agreed that for that sort of investment, he's not reliable over the course of a long period of time. Now, if he can replicate that six to eight week microcycles that he does when it becomes time to play with France or even this restart, I think he was very good. But see, I that's hundred percent. I hundred so percent disagree with you on that because players' How? fee because players' fees, like let's take Pepe for example. Repay that fee because Arsenal sit there and look at we're we're dealing with super agents who have to pay you know you have to pay the agent fee you have to pay the fucking seventy million dollars or paying installments whatever but Pepe has a seventy million dollar fee hanging over his head because that's what Arsenal are willing to pay like that is just... forget forget the fee because the fee has nothing to do with what the players are getting from the club no because the no fee, because, the fee is no, no, the no. fee is market value. But, no, the, but the the pay the payment aspect, you're an employee. No, but, but no, no. I'm telling you the fact that fans sit there and look at like, oh, this is a seventy million dollar player. Oh, this is an eighty million dollar player. And they sit there and they stare at the player and like, oh, well, he's not producing as what I expect an eighty million dollar player, or seventy million dollar player is. And now, now all of a sudden, the player is like thrown under the bus because this is what the fee was. And now they're sitting there saying like, okay, well, fans are on my back because I'm not producing like a seventy million. They're basically expecting a Messi. When it's just that's what the market value is. Does that make sense? I I think yeah we yeah we've, we've all agreed that I think the market value aspect of it is is non they can't affect that as a player right, and you could argue that well the going rate for a player who makes that money is related to to that fee so their their wages is related to the fee and therefore they're if you're paying a hundred million you're going to get paid X sure I I understand that but. I guess the point that I think I'm making, which may we may disagree on, is that if a player is making that sort of money, and your Wambasakas of this world, who we've we've said of, is you know defensively fantastic, attackingly atrocious. Yeah, but we're not talking about Wambasaka. Yeah, we're talking not, about Pogba. Oh, but but it's player it's player to player system. If he's reliable for that fee, you don't hear people talking about Wambasaka's wages. That's the value. It's the value quotients. How much you're paying them per week is is the value they owe back right. to the club in some regard. So if he's being paid that amount of money, there's a certain aspect of yes, and he should be recreate be able to recreate the performances he has done for the past six weeks or a longer period of time, regardless of that. That's the expectation anybody has. You're being paid a lot of money. They expect performance, whether you're, you know, taking tickets at at the game or whether you're. Edward Wood, which is a different kettle of fish, whether you're Paul Pogba or whoever, there should be an aspect of we're expecting you to do a job consistently. Okay, and I think so that's what everybody expects. I, I will agree with you. To be fair, that is fine, but I'm just telling you, like, if the market dictates that you're the only fucking tricky left winger on, on the market, and for some reason Arsenal is an idiot and decides to pay eighty million dollars for you, seventy million dollars. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. Then you're going to be judged. Know. You're going to be judged based on that. I mean, he he's probably like 
and I'm talking about Pepe, obviously. He's he's probably like a $40 million player, but he's getting judged because the marketplace guaranteed that he should be, or at least generate the fact that he should be a $70 million player. Does that, I mean, does that, so like, I, I agree with you in, in some instances, yes. And we're talking about Pogba too. Like, Pogba should be generating a lot more. I will give you that. But the marketplace also generates high incidences where they don't actually like they don't they get hung they, the 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 price tag gets hung over their head quite a bit quite a bit like like for example if you look at if we bought Zaha this year and we looked at his stats this year he would have been a fucking failure. True. I would also say this though. This is where I probably end the conversation. Pogba should be a generational player, and he will not be. Yeah, that's his own issue. That's his own fault. Can I but break that, it down? That's basically even, everything. Even in a more basic fashion than this, if you're going to pay someone three hundred grand a week. They should at least try hard consistently. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. And I, I don't think Pogba does that. And that's the point we're making. They should be, that, they should be relied upon for consistent performances of well, seven. God, if, Ed, if Edward had just made that point off the bat, it would have been easy. I'm going to save us ten minutes. <laughs> I think I no, did. I'm just, I'm just saying, Pogba, Pogba is a generational talent. He has a World Cup. He has a World Cup to his, to his name. But yes, he has not done great at club level. So, Where's Joe? Where's Southampton Joe? He'd have an opinion on get this. Get his ass in here. All right. Best Joe hates Pogba. Best yeah, he's a man of... Man oh, of I, I, love, I love Joe. <laughs> Joe's the worst. Get him on we here. we got to get Joe on. Get him on here. Yeah, here. get him on here. I need to guess, and guess about Joe. Him and I have to talk about Southampton. Ed and I have to go at, at the Lagoon together. That's going to be another podcast. Just one of them. Who's the best? That was kind of a time. side branch of that argument right there. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't. I had. I had so many facts lined up for the Legoon argument. It's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, re- well, let's go with the first uh, one. Quick... Just failed. Best okay. transfer. Best transfer. Yes. I'm jumping right in, and I'm leading off with with Joe. I'm going with Joe's man, and that's who Ted just picked for breakthrough player. I'm picking for best transfer. I think Danny Ings was class this year for Southampton and he did he changed their entire fortune. They looked like a possible relegation side through the first few weeks. Um so that's my guy. I have a second but I'll let you guys go so I don't want to take somebody else's Danny Ings, what a shout. It's a fantastic shout that. Yep, agreed. Lewis, who you got? Paul Pogba. I know it wasn't Paul <laughs> He wasn't purchased this season, but you could you could ask what is a calendar? <laughs> Paul Pogba post restart. Yeah. No, Ings. Uh, I'm going to go Gabrielle Martinelli. Oh, he's a beast. Anyway, next one. Uh, worst transfer. Ted, who you going best transfer with Danny Ings too? Um, I think for, for the money, absolutely. Yeah, best value, absolutely. I had Raul Jimenez in there also. Oof, that's he was a weird one though. I, was, I looked him up before this, but he was on loan in eighteen nineteen, so it was like yep. pseudo weird. I mean, yep. I think Pulisic's an interesting one to be fair, long term. I think he needs a longer term to bed in. I've been very clear on that, but I think given the right environment, whether it's Chelsea or somewhere else, the Premier League will, will be a good place for him. All right, worst transfer. I appreciated that comment. You're welcome. <laughs> worst transfer, to Lewis. <laughs> Paul Pogba. No. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Oh, it's tough. Um, I don't know. That I have one. 
Oh, come it's on. Probably, I mean, there's like there's four on our team alone. Yeah, say. those are too easy. Those are far too easy. Don't be a fan. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll do that. David Luiz, my favorite defender. He's fucking shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we are, then. There it is. Probably David Luiz, who's so. fucking shit. All right. He's fucking Garbs, shit. what do you got? He's fucking shit. <laughs> I, I've... I was going to say the worst transfer was United letting Dean Henderson go to Sheffield. Um, mm-hmm. But the other one in Dombele for Spurs. Because <laughs> he wants out. Which isn't really even his fault. Yeah. Like, but we'll take it. No, no. A I'm sneaky not putting shout would have been Jose. Him. I'm not putting that. Yeah, Jose would have been a good one. No, but in Dombele came in first game, scored a wonder goal, and then – Kind of all went downhill from there, and I'm not blaming the player. I'm blaming the no. shit club. Yep. All right, Ted, what you got? I think the guy that gets away with the most and the amount of money spent on him, I, I go with Slabed. Yeah. Yep. He's on a lot of money and like God, all was this, that this bullshit. Was that this summer? He's yeah, been transferred. I, I believe. Do you know that they Am put I wrong? him in the eleven of the year? They I saw put him that. In the, the best eleven of the year. Such such banter. It's incredible oh. banter. Um, he heads the ball well, though, guys. He heads it. I well. just, I think it's again though. Like he's a, he's a, he's what twenty? He's old. He's older than you think as well. How old's Harry Maguire? Go. Twenty six. He's twenty eight. No, he's then he's as old as you think. He's twenty seven. Um, but like you, you, you think of him as like this young. He's twenty seven years of age. Like, and I think he's been given kind of the keys to the city because he's next to you know Lindelof who's wang <laughs> and Eric Bailly who Firmino is famous for saying bye to when he played for fucking Real. so I mean he's like given the keys to the city and you watch his little wander about I think it was against uh, I forget who it was but his wander about post restart where he gives the ball away from square 40 yards just be a defender he's got John Stone syndrome be a defender pass the ball defend it stand it head it kick it do your job and like this thing's where he's never been ran past like martinelli ran right past him like this is these aren't true like it's not even close and i think if we try and insulate the same way we make it tough for english managers we try and insulate some english players and it's like he's not simplifying the game enough for me to warrant half the amount of money he went for let alone 70 million pounds like my lord not close for me there's a one for me. There you have it. That's free. Take it with you. Well, three of you stole my freaking answers, so. <laughs> <laughs> what were you, what did you have? I had uh, I had Maguire. I had um, who did you say, Garbs? Ndombele. Yeah, I had Ndombele. <laughs> Right, let me, let me I, just... I, I do think it's interesting that, that United have a pair of players who are young and full of potential, but one are does, really one... in, in their mid to late 20s. I'm going to go with Sebastian Hilaire. I'm going to go with Sebastian Hilaire. Go Sebastian Hilaire just from, huh? just from West Ham because he, he as much nothing. money as he spent on him, he didn't actually score as many goals as they should have. But yeah, I would have I gone Maguire and Dable or even Juan Bissaka because he's absolutely terrible. I've got honestly, we've all, and I, I'm disappointed in myself. The worst transfer in the history of transfers is Joe Linton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe Ooh. Linton. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I believe he, he went awful. 35. 35? Yeah. 
I thought it was 34. trampolines for, oh, for feet, lads, too. lads, I'm wrong. He went for 40 million. Jesus. Oh, my God. Pounds. 40 million pounds. Not 40,000 like Kepa. <laughs> and do you, do you know, he made his debut in, you know, I think in, in Brazil, Serie A in 2014, and then went to Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga and then was on loan at... My Joel, Lin- Joel Linton justification: forty million pounds, which give or take current market was at fifty-two million dollars, something like that. All right, he has scored forty-three goals in his professional career. Four were at Newcastle this year. Four. Prior to that. In the league, which is obviously what everybody focused on because it's what really matters, he'd scored 15 goals. 15 goals in what would be five years, and they paid that much money for him. What was he in the, the league? He was in the Bundesliga? Is that what he was saying? In the Brazilian first division, he oh, scored class. two goals, two goals in the league in 2014. He scored one goal in 2015. He then went to the Austrian Bundesliga, where he scored 15 goals in two seasons, but that was 60 appearances. Then went back to the Bundesliga, where he scored seven, and then Newcastle, quote-unquote, big club, signed him for you know, £40 million, which in 38 appearances for Newcastle in the league, he scored two goals Jesus so yeah so, I think we're all wrong I think he wins the worst transfer in the Premier League this year <laughs> yes <laughs> All right. Well, is his agent Kia Jurabachian Jura yeah. uh, his agent is a good question because he is Brazilian Unai Unai Emery <laughs> <laughs> I would believe that too yeah. alright that's good so did we do best transfer yet or no yeah. Okay, so yep. we're good. All right, let's get into the questions here that I've got lined up. If any of you all have some, please let me know. But if you had to draft one player from one of the relegated teams, who would it be? Let's start with you, Garbs. <clears throat> the one that I want to take, I want to take Nathan Ake from Bournemouth. Okay. And I think, I think it, we're working towards that right now. I know we're linked to Koulibaly, but I'd prefer Ake's younger – um, knows how to defend. I know Koulibaly does too, but for a cheaper fee and you're getting a younger player, so that's that's for me. Well, good news for you is I have the Arsenal athletic guys basically said Ake's pretty much done for City, so you're good to go. That's two today. Who, who's the other one? Uh, Ferran for Adria or whatever his name is? Ferran Torres. Adria is the chef. Sorry. Who's the young... Young winger who flies unreal with the ball on his feet, puts in good balls, and I think we're getting him for final feed twenty seven million, which is an unbelievable price for a young guy like that. It must be nice. Must be nice. What uh? What about you, Ted? Ted. Joe Linton. Joe Linton. Joe Linton. Did we lose him? Possibly. All right. Lewis, what do you got? Um, yeah, I 
I was hoping Villa went down. I had a couple lined up for them. <laughs> uh, I would go with probably, we don't really need him, but I think he's got a ton of potential. And that's uh, Ismail Assar from Watford on the wing. I mean, the pace of that kid is unreal. Yep. It's crazy. So I think he's going to go somewhere. No way he stays down in the uh, championship. So that's who I'd go with. So I'm going to, after telling Lewis earlier this week that absolutely not, I would. So Lewis earlier this week asked me if I would take Buendia at Arsenal. I said, <laughs> absolutely not. So this is going to actually be my, after doing more research and being like, I have no clue who this clown is. I would absolutely take him at Arsenal. And it looks like creatively, creatively, he's pretty much, he's created what, the third most chance in the, in the league. Yeah, so that's impressive on a complete shit team. Yeah, so absolutely would have that man on the squad. So Yep. Platini, who would you take as your player from the relegation teams? I'm a big league I'm fan right now, so I want to make sure I give respect to the French, <laughs> the French mafia. Yeah, there's, gonna be, there's gonna be literally one podcast of me just ranting against you. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be a three on you'll, one. You'll, you'll lose. That's fine. That's fine. That's um, fine. I'll, 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 I literally, I have. I'm not even kidding you. I have three pages of notes for the Ligue debate when that happens. I don't so, know if you've whatever. seen, but ESPN FC is letting everybody know the scores of uh, PSG's friendlies against like League Seven <laughs> French sides. So yeah. it's really, really it's impressive. They've been scoring seven or eight goals a game. It's, God, it's going to be really sad when you lose to Real Madrid in the Champions League and then you know, you're going to be crying to your freaking CAS. At least, at least Madrid's a real club. Yeah. You know and, what? Well, and, and, and Spanish. I was going to yeah. say, wait, did, <laughs> yeah. did they just transfer into Liga? What, what they finally got, that'd be a good idea. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> can, Let's take the top four yeah, from both. And we'll play the Liga Nuno. The Liga Nuno. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're just talking about failures in the Champions League, we can just talk about Manchester City. So we'll go there. Oof. Now it's getting interesting. Ooh, getting spicy. <laughs> now we've started. Now we've started. Um, Seven minutes into the second, second part. Now, for me, teams that have been relegated was a question, correct? So, like, what player you would want? Oof. Uh, Norwich, nobody. Um, however, there's rumours of the left-back, Lewis. But I don't... Sure, get him for less than 10 million, why not? Um, Bournemouth, I think, are ageing a touch. Ryan Frazier, okay. Cool. Yeah. Right, next, but, next one. <laughs> no, I, I'd go for your man. The only one I'd want is a man from Watford. So, I'd have him. Yeah, we talked about that while you were offline. So good job. Well, I was just, I was, I was rehashing my name. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, he one. probably played in League One, actually. To be fair, let's have a look. He did. <laughs> I tore it up too because it's a fucking farmers league. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. Who spends the most in the transfer league, transfer market? Chelsea. 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 I think United. United. Yeah, I was going to say United. What are you talking about? What are you? They're going to challenge you Yeah, United for sure for me. All right, it'll uh, be a tight race. Do Liverpool repeat next year? No. No. We're not going to spend any money. Mm, I'm. I'm going to go yes. Nah, no, we're not going to spend. We're not going to spend any money. Everyone said no. I can't say no. It's boring. I think it's now. hard to avoid injuries next year. You know what I mean? For everybody, mm-hmm. not just Liverpool. I think for everybody. And I squad depth, right? But I do think that if certain players for Liverpool get hurt, that they can't cope. I'm going to say, so I said no. 
Bottini said no. Pogba mm-hmm. said no. Lewis, you said yes. Yep. Okay. Heart Heart says yes. Mine says I just don't. I don't think it's possible. Right, I've seen it. It's it's impossible. It's really tough to do. I mean, predict, and I'm not predict. saying you don't have a squad to do it, but it's tough yep. to do. Okay, cool. Predict next year's top four. I'll go first. City and wow. Liverpool in a class by themselves, and Chelsea closer. United, kind of there. So like one, two, and then a gap to three, four. Oof. What do you have, Patini? Just not in any order, right? No, oh, we are doing it. We're doing order. Um, I think Liverpool, City will be involved. I think United will shit the bed. Um, I think. After that, it's questionable. Um, Spurs with Mourinho, no. Spurs without Mourinho, potentially. So, I'll go uh, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, no chance. Chelsea, ball (laughs) squeeze in. And then after that, to be honest, it's it's some rebuild. I'd probably have to give United the fourth, just based upon the seasons being so close together. So, yours is Chelsea, or so yours is Chelsea, United. City Liverpool, Liverpool City. Yeah, okay. I think for them starting so close together, there's going to be very little variation, I think. Lewis, what you got? I'll go in order. I'll go Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United. Okay, I'm going to go City in order, Liverpool, United, Arsenal. <laughs> can, I, can, I go, can, can I go on record and say Leeds, Europa League players? Yeah, yeah. Oh sure, go for it. This should be okay. with Bielsa. With Bielsa. With okay. Bielsa. Without without Bielsa, no no chance. Well, that's <laughs> be very clear. My last question before I get into the Ligoon bullshit. Um, oh no, we're back. What what spot do <laughs> what spot do Tottenham under Mourinho finish next year? Oh, I've got this one first. Okay, go does Mourinho make season. it through a year? If yeah, he makes it through the year. This is probably going to surprise people. I think he finishes sixth. With a trophy or no? What? Like a league, league cup? League cup. cup. Yeah, essentially. At, at, at most. Yeah, they don't win trophies though, mate. No, nah, no chance. No trophy. No, no trophy. So, okay. So, Lewis has got sixth. Pogba and Platini, what do you got? I think sixth too because Mourinho always qualifies for Europe. Yeah. Okay. No, I think he's going to finish just outside Europe. Good. Good. Yeah. I, 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 I'd I prefer it. it. I'd prefer it. I think realistically, Arsenal and Spurs next year, if Arteta's given any sort of backing, and I'll call backing 50 million, I think Spurs and Arsenal will flip flop. Oh, so we're going to finish third? Spurs? <laughs> no. All right. 